Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, a podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Ready to recap the Chicago Red Stars draw, y'all. Chicago Red Stars took on Portland Thorns FC. We saw a lot of new faces. We saw a lot of new names. Saw a couple familiar ones, too. And they went ahead and they earned themselves their first point of the tournament in a 0-0 draw against the Thorns. So there's a lot of fun stuff for us to dive into here. I know I'm excited about it, and I couldn't do it alone. So I'm here today with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. Scam Originator. How you doing today, Claire? I'm good. Uh, this has all been a little bit of a blur so far, uh, but I, I'm good, I think. Man, I, uh, I'm i I'm really looking forward to talking about a 0-0 draw from the Red Stars. I'm, su- yeah. I'm a little bit surprised at how really enthusiastic and excited I am to do that gonna yeah. be dope yeah uh we're gonna dive right in uh chicago red stars on this day uh you know ahead of the game the league went ahead and continued their pregame anthem ceremonies and it was lovely to see so many people take a knee mm-hmm. in solidarity with the black lives movement it was really lovely to see so many of the non-starters get on out there with their starting 11 uh staff as well and uh, shout out to all of the Chicago Red Stars folks who are showing their action and showing their solidarity. Uh, we love and are very proud of everyone. And we are excited to talk about Sarah Gordon and Casey Short's team getting a draw today. We're yep. excited to do that. Uh, Claire, I think we just have to dive into these lineups, dude. I think to just really set the tone in this match, to let people know what we're going to start getting into. The Chicago Red Stars and Rory Dames are as scripted, folks. You know, we've had him on the podcast a couple times. He said everything's going to be scripted. Group play is going to be for trying some stuff. And we saw some stuff get tried out on this day. So the Chicago Red Stars, for their starting 11, they lined up as followed. They had Emily Boyd in net. They had Julia Bingham, Hannah Davidson, Kayla Sharpo, Zoe Gorowski rounding out the back line. They had Savannah McCaskill, Danny Colaprico, Ella Stevens, Mackenzie Doniak, Sarah Lubert, and Katie Johnson to round out that starting 11. Claire, my dude, first impressions when you saw that, what'd you think? I thought it ruled. I thought it was great. I love it. I mean, it's kind of like we talked about in our, our brief preview of this match on the last episode, which is just like, it's time to really kind of dig into... I, I, I love the opportunity to dig into storylines that we don't always get to talk about during a regular NWSL season. Um, and yeah, these kids, like, I think it's, I think we have two levels of things happening. We have true rookies getting starts, right? So we have like Bingham and Stevens and, and Lubert, who is an amazing story. And Rory had wonderful things to say about her um, at the end of the, after the match. But, um, but then we also have, this has been the storyline coming through is like, this has been a really strong showing for the 2019 draft from Chicago. So we had Bianca St. George have a great game against Washington. We saw Hannah Davison and Kayla Sharples get starts um, against, uh, against Portland. And I think it's cool that we have these kind of these success stories, not only of the true kids, like the true, like I just got out of college, what's going on kids, but also the, the players that have spent some time with this team and bought into team culture, finally getting a chance to show what they can do on the field. I uh, I was really excited to see the dedication 
as well to kind of utilizing group play as an opportunity for so many of these players to get out there and get some real game day experience under their belt today. I was super, super hyped to see the center back pairing of Kayla Sharples and Hannah Davidson, you know, center back pairing out of Northwestern, two players that have been playing together for a very long time into their youth club days. Um, and then seeing them get this type of game, I mean, I don't think it should be lost on folks here that they went up against a Thorn team that was also going through some rotation themselves, but had some heavy hitters in that they starting did. lineup. And I'm going to give them um, some love here too, so that we can sort of get some context of uh, what we're going to continue to be chatting about in this episode. So for Portland, they lined up as followed. They had uh, Bella Bixby in net, uh, Megan Klingenberg, Autumn Smithers, Kristen Westfall, Madison Pogarch, Emily Ogle, Lindsay Horan, Celeste Bure, Christine Sinclair, the Red Stars killer, uh, Morgan Weaver and Simone Charlie to round out their starting 11. And I'm not going to front. I mean, when you, we saw these starting 11s side by side, we saw <laughs> what the Red Stars rolled out of it. We saw what Portland was going to roll out of it. And it looked like and it felt like that there was just enough in that Portland Thorns starting 11 to where they were going to make things difficult for the starting 11 that was out there for the Red Stars. I mean, I, I, I looked at that and I was like, oh, boy, I was like, this back line – is going to have their hands full today with somebody like Lindsay Horan. She's going to get that iconic header that we're so used to. And really, I think just talking about the first half as a whole, as we dive, really dive into this game, um, it was evident that the Thorns were going to push and play aggressively against that sort of fresh-faced back line for the Red Stars. And I mean – Probably one of their best chances of the day came in that first half uh, in a service in to a player like Morgan Weaver, a first-round draft pick for the Thorns, who they're very high on, who could score goals, has a nose for the net. And there's all of a sudden, this ball came into a player like Morgan Weaver, and she got a foot on it, but Emily Boyd uh, just stuck a hand up there and was able to make this really great save and keep things even for the Red Stars. So in terms of... Uh, the defensive shape for the Red Stars within this game, kind of, especially kind of coming out of that first half, uh, I really enjoyed it. It had a real, real kind of old school feeling to it uh, in this match. You, it was sort of like watching a Red Stars team from back in the day where they sort of maybe knew that they were biting off a little bit more than they could chew. So they were just sort of sticking to kind of what they knew. And the concept of the, the idea just of, Getting out of the half and keeping it 0-0, I think, was probably a positive for them as they uh, headed into the second half. Anything else from the first half? Kind of yeah, I mean, I think um, – I mean, just overall things this is, is th that were true in the first half and I think only became more true in the second, which is just um, that Portland – Portland is really interesting and, and they did, they did rotate quite a bit, but yeah, I mean, if you have Christine Sinclair and Lindsay Horan on the field, um, that is very much a decision that Chicago did not make. They did not have any, they had Danny Colaprico play, but she's working her way back into fitness. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, the seasoned veteran on that Chicago side was, was Savannah McCaskill and, and Katie Johnson. Like they really were not, they didn't throw any vets, any real vets in there to kind of keep, things flowing they were just like we're truly just gonna give let them let these kids sink or swim on their own whereas I think Portland was trying to run out some stuff that is a little bit more applicable perhaps to the roster that they want to have at full force um and they succeeded for the most part like they played really well in the first half um 
Portland's whole thing is that they take uh, high, high XG shots. They get in behind. Um, a funny thing about Portland is that that strategy does not work for them sometimes, and they do not score despite having a lot of high quality chances. Um, that you saw some of that at the end of last year, and you saw some of that today. I think they just kind of had some bad luck. But yeah, Emily Boyd had a great save against Weaver. But um, but yeah, so I think that I think that. Um, Chicago just basically didn't hedge any bets about a result. They were basically like, if this is a disaster, we'll learn from that too. But it wasn't a disaster. And I think that that is important um, and, and something for the team to be very proud of. Whereas with Portland, and this is true of Portland a lot, actually, I think that they, they are definitely committed to developing their youth, but they're not necessarily in a place where they want to completely throw what they're doing kind of out the window for a full game. They would like to have it still kind of resemble Portland soccer. Yeah, I um, I also was really, it was really good to also see a player like, I know we're talking about all the, the new faces and the new names and stuff, but for me, I also really enjoyed watching Danny Colaprico out on the pitch in this first half. Um, somebody who came into the tournament for the Red Stars, uh, talking about her, it was her, um, Ella Steven, or no, not Ella Steven, her, Tuna Davidson and Zoe Rady, I think, uh, just sort of kind of coming in with some lingering injuries that they're going to have to work through in the tournament um, along with other players who are just outright just out for the tournament. So being able to see a veteran like that, get on the pitch and yeah. sort of put together the game that she had for the Red Stars with so many um, newer faces and newer talent uh, was really, really dope. I mean, I loved watching her God, just work the sideline and working the lines there and, God, I think she megged a couple people at she one did. point. Yeah, she looked good. Um, yeah, it was it was really really dope. I think my initial reaction on Twitter was just that Danny Colabrigo's the shit, and that was the tweet. That was it. Yeah, the funny thing is that yes, she's working her way back into fitness, but the the whatever she's dealing with in this does not appear to be the kind of same just overall intense fatigue that we saw from her last year like she looks good i think that she's you know not to full 90 fitness and i think that she has an ankle issue um that's kind of lingering but um it's not the same thing as as watching someone watching her play last year and being like oh she is hurt you know what i mean like it's a difference between kind of playing through that kind of intense fatigue and having a minor issue that you're dealing through so um that was really promising as well because sometimes when you do get these questionables or whatever that can mean a lot of different things um and sometimes and historically for the red stars it's like she can play but should she and that was not the case with cola Prico yesterday and i think that that's really exciting yeah, no, I loved uh, I loved seeing the the combination happening there from the Red Stars. It was evident that they were trying to keep their defensive safe and sort of build out of the midfield. And I really liked seeing Danny Colaprico, Savannah McCaskill, seeing a player like Ella Stevens really kind of look pretty well, like yeah. play well together and look like a cohesive unit. It was pretty pretty dope. I mean, you're talking about a second year player for the Red Stars in Savannah McCaskill, a new player getting professional minutes for the first time in um, Ella Stevens. And, you know, Ella Stevens, for her game, you know, she had the highest passing accuracy for the team in, in this match and that's yep. just followed by like Danny Colaprico so uh it was it was dope uh, to see that in the first half she came out uh she was a scheduled sub for the second half so we got to see even more faces coming in in this game both of these teams utilized all of their subs if I remember correctly so you're talking yeah, yeah. five and five ten total new swapping of players uh, happening in this game so when stuff like that happens in a match like this, you know, it, it could kind of 
make things kind of choppy. Um, not real seeing a lot of teams or players uh, able to kind of get into a rhythm, so to speak. But I wasn't mad about that. I really liked that both of these teams were just kind of trying some stuff. Yeah. It was it was nice to see. Honestly, it was a little bit refreshing considering, you know, that there hasn't really been professional team sports like that to watch right. as of late. You know, they were the first league to come back to do that. Um, and we thought, hey, maybe some of this soccer is going to be super great. But I think kind of, you know, lowering your expectations and like knowing that and going into this, it allows you to kind of look at a game like this in a different lens. And I think as you go back, maybe rewatch some stuff, um, there's some stuff to be excited about within this game as a whole, that first half uh, specifically. Um, for the second half, I I thought that the Red Stars were maybe going to try to take that that step and maybe really try and try some stuff out some more. But I don't know if we really saw that in the second half. I think once maybe we hit the 60th minute there, we kind of saw that defensive shape kind of shore things up and we knew that maybe they were trying – to just lock things down for a point. What did you think, Claire? Yeah, I think, um, I think, I mean, if you look at the stats on this game, you can see pretty clearly that um, Chicago did not have a lot going forward. Um, and I think that part of that had to do with, especially in the second half, you take out Cola Prico um, and you put in uh, Cassie Rohan, who did a good job, but she's not Danny Cola Prico. And, um, and I think that then at that point they were just kind of getting boxed out in the midfield enough that the defense was just like, okay, so we're going to defend and really try to hold on here. Um, and I think that, but you also saw with Portland subs, you know, they weren't really, they, they were, again, they were neither really gunning for a win, nor were they truly fully rotating. Um, they brought Rocky Rodriguez in, in the second half. Um, they brought in Tyler Lucy. And so I think that, like, I, I both understand why Chicago uh, fell into a defensive shape, but I also understand why they got a point. I understand why, why Portland wasn't able to kind of seal the deal. Um, and, and, yeah, I think that uh, I was going to – I as time went on, it seemed more and more likely that Chicago was going to, to concede. And I was like, that's going to be such a bummer for them because they had done so well. Um, and they just – they did. They held on. They looked, they looked tired and they looked scrappy and – God, it looks like that turf hurts so much. And they were doing so much last-ditch defending and just throwing their bodies on the ground. There was a moment at the very end where Ella Stevens is – she realizes that she's going to have to fully slide in front of this thorn to get the ball away. And you can see on her face she's like, oh, I don't want to do it, but it's I got to do it. I got to do it. She just, and I think when she gets up, she actually just kind of cringes because she was just like, oh, man, that hurts so bad. But she did yep. it, and yep. she got the ball. And so yeah. it was like, we could like, see her like mentally preparing yeah. <laughs> to make this choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> turf, hot turf, oh, specifically. Yeah. Hot turf hurts real bad, y'all. Um, so yeah, shout out to, to Ella Stevens for, for taking one for the team, quite literally. Um, yeah, this game ultimately ended, we know how it ended. It ended in a 0-0 draw, and there were some more positive takeaways for the Red Stars. And I think if you're on the Thorn side of things, you're kind of bummed out that you weren't able to snag and steal all the points. And if you're the Red Stars, you're looking in between those lines and pointing out the good performances and stuff like that. So we're giving a lot of praise defensively um, for a lot of the players within this match. Uh, but, you know, I think a, a general concern is something that we do have to talk about is with two games into the, the group play, eventually it's going to be drawing to a close very, very quickly here. Um, 
what are some of the questions that we have and what are we trying to see out of an offense within a tournament like this? And we got to keep that in perspective within a scope of a, of a tournament format right now, what are we trying to see out of an offense from the red stars? Because it's, it's, it's pretty evident that they're, they're still in the mode of just utilizing this as a time to, to try and figure some stuff out. Uh, I know in that first match, we really enjoyed uh, what we saw out of a player like Leo Watt. It made sense to us. We watched it and we were like, yes, this looks like a player who is ready to kind of put in solid performances and just sort of get that fresh start she was talking about with a new team. And uh, we're excited to see what Watt can maybe bring further down the line. And in this particular game, we got to see the return of second-year players like Savannah McCaskill. We got to see the return of a second-year player in Katie Johnson. You know, these were players that were targeted by the Red Stars last year specifically to try to come in and be able to make an impact with the Red Stars in their 2019 campaign. Um, And we got to hear Rory Dames go on record saying that these two players specifically are probably the most improved coming into this tournament in, in his eyes. And I know Claire, you and I really enjoyed what we liked uh, seeing out on the pitch from these players on this day, but we wanted to take a moment to maybe talk a little bit about Savannah McCaskill and her performance. Yeah, I think um, so. We, we've seen this a little bit from, from, you know, people just chatting both, both, you know, Patreon comments and, and Twitter, where I, I think that there is a little bit um, of, a, of a question mark uh, for everybody, which is, you know, where are the goals going to come from? Not so much in, in the general question that we got before the season started, but more like literally who is going to score the goals. And um, I think that so it's two separate things. I think what we saw in the first game is we saw some rustiness just in general. I think you saw someone like Watt who maybe hopefully would be more clinical with some of her shots on from the outside. I think Nagasato um, had a, had a good game, but just looked like she hadn't played in a while. Um, and I think that then you're like, okay, so these players are a little bit rusty. And also Yuki Nagasato is not generally a center forward. So this is a concern. We don't have someone who just naturally, is there to be the target. And then in the second game, I think uh, you just saw that they, that that was just not necessarily the game plan. I think they just had some, some young, I mean, obviously Sarah Lubert got her first NWSL start. um, You know, I think that she was just out there to get some experience. Uh, But the other really good thing that happened in the second game though um, is that, uh, and I think this is maybe ties to the Watt thing. Maybe Watt and McCaskill are, are hand in hand in this from the, the through line from game one to game two, which is about just kind of, I think that, and we talked about this a lot last year, when someone like Julie Ertz is not on the field or Alyssa Nair is not on the field, you need someone who is not only going to try to do things with the soccer ball, but also someone who is committed to being, being vocal and, and directing traffic and keeping everyone engaged and, and keeping the energy level up. And I believe that based on what I saw and also what Rory Dame said after the match, that he told Savannah McCaskill to be that person. And she took that very seriously. Um, did it always turn into productive offensive output? No, but as kind of the first time that she's been really tasked with this in that specific of a way, 
I thought her commitment to it throughout the match was great. I thought that you could see not only that she was communicating with her teammates, but she took it upon, you know, she really wanted to get the ball forward. Um, and I think that, I think you also saw that from Kayla Sharples in the back too. So I think that the, I, the great thing that came out of this match was you had new players who, sh- who struggled with or struggled with or didn't get the opportunity to be those vocal leaders on the pitch. And then you also saw a coaching staff that, that recognized that that was an issue and said, we got to fix this before we can start turning that into a, pr- a like pr- production. So I think that that was very valuable. And I think that's also part of why everyone who played and also the coaches were so stoked about what happened yesterday. Yeah, I think take they're going to – they had a lot of stuff to look at over these last two games. I mean, um, you know, you're talking about a loss and a draw, a 0-0 draw at that. So maybe there's uh, some pundits out there who are going to chime in and sort of be like, well, where's the scoring and who's going to do this and who's going to do that? But there's a, a lot to take, I think, from these last two games overall in terms of uh, the potential offense and the creating of goal scoring and the creating of playmaking and stuff like that um, from – a handful of players. I think we're talking, obviously we're talking very specifically about a player like uh, Watt, McCaskill. And I would also include, you know, Katie Johnson in that, you know, I think we still saw yesterday that she's a very, very good connector. She's a great collaborator. She wants to build and create play with players. So I don't know if there's going to be additional conversations about maybe trying to, uh, you know, move her into more of a target forward, which is not something unfamiliar to her. Uh, but I think over these last couple seasons or so with the Red Stars, so much of uh, what has been asked of a player like Johnson has to be kind of as to, to be kind of that collaborator. And so wide. At, and and wide, yeah. So to sort of see her kind of take that on and in courting a player, a coach like Rory Dames, you know, see improvement of that. It'll, it'll it would be interesting for me if they were to ask her to be more target and, and stuff like that. So um, I would I would love to see um, some type of combination of of, of what. Uh, Johnson and maybe Nagasato possibly. I know we have chatted a little bit about the con- the concept of Yuki maybe being a false nine, but I mean, this is the time to try that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So I, we, who knows if that's something uh, that remains to be seen. Um, but you know, yes, McCaskill, one hundred percent. I also want to give um, Katie Johnson her shine as well. Love to the movement on the ball. I mean, in terms of you know, we talked about all the, the passing accuracy earlier. I mean, she was the third rated uh, highest rated Red star in terms of her passing accuracy. And you're talking behind a midfield of, of Danny Colaprico, Ella Stevens and, and then Katie Johnson. So um, that was dope to see. So, and it was also really good to see them go like as long as they did in this, in this match, you know, you're talking to players who really down the stretch last year for the Red Stars got relegated to kind of, you know, impact play off of the bench. Um, So to see them get extended minutes in a game like this, I think sort of put on display that, you know, so that in that most improved player, so to speak, kind of vibe that uh, Rory Dames was talking about. Yeah. I, I am not a sports scientist, nor am I have any behind the scenes knowledge, but I would imagine that the off season expectations for a Chicago Red Star is maybe a little was, you know, maybe a little bit different than the off season expectations for someone who plays at Sky Blue. 
And I think that the old regime at Sky Blue. And I think that uh, you had both Johnson and McCaskill come into the Chicago Red Stars team. Katie Johnson did get a preseason with Chicago. McCaskill did not, but they didn't get an offseason as Red Stars. And I think that a full Red Star offseason when it comes to good work, not only on just your fitness and physicality, but even just mentally preparing for a season. Um, Chicago gets complimented on that all the time. That's one of their strengths. They're really good at, at communicating and maintaining players um, throughout the offseason. And I think that it makes sense that, A, Katie Johnson and Savannah McCaskill are the players that Chicago wanted to get. That's who they are. But they also needed time with good mentoring to know how to utilize that best. So that all makes sense to me, um, that this was something that was always going to take a little bit longer, even just physically, for them to be able to grind out a full 90 minutes for the team. Word. Uh, I think we're of the general consensus where we're old school and we were satisfied with a 0-0 draw against a team like the Thorns. Scam gang. It was sick. It was a truly a scam. It was nice to see the return of that. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, wrapping things up for the Red Stars in terms of their group play as they head out to the next, uh, knockout round. So really quickly to just sort of preview. Yeah, they've got – they played the Spirit – They've played Portland. Now Portland. And they've they got Carolina and then Utah. They still have Utah? They still have Utah. That's the mm. one that we always keep fucking forgetting, dude. Is they have to play Utah. Sorry, Utah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Utah. I we know. Did. It's weird. No, no, no. It makes sense because it's it's very weird because there are obviously these two match day groups, right? And so you imagine like, oh, they go through all of their match day groups and they're done. But they don't. They have one from the other group before they move on to the knockouts. Uh, good stuff. Good <laughs> stuff. Man. All nothing but love for Utah Royals as we keep forgetting about them. Well, I mean, it's um, good that they're going to play Utah because, as you were about to say, they're about to have to play North Carolina. They're going to get uh, they're going to get another big one out of the way, I guess. You know, um, they're a team that they typically match up well against. You know, but I don't know if um, if this is if this particular matchup is going to have the same vibe as in the past. I mean, we're watching. We're watching North Carolina. If you're only here for the Red Stars, trust me, I understand. So are we. So we're just going to let you know, in case you didn't know. Uh, North Carolina Courage are a really good soccer team. They have been a really good soccer team for a very long time. And uh, they are showing us in this tournament that it doesn't matter what type of format you put them in, they are going to remain being an amazing soccer team. So they've got... Uh, Red Stars have got North Carolina coming up, and they have won two of their group matches, and they've won them quite uh, impressively, to be honest. And they've got a number of playmakers. They've got a number of superstars on their team mixed win with their own rotation as well. We've seen a little bit of that out of Paul Riley in North Carolina. Um, but they've got players that could just kind of punish you from anywhere. Um, something I'm going to be looking at is I'm not, I'm not too sure how we're going to see Chicago's back line uh, line up against a team like North Carolina. 
But coming out of the Thorns game, I mean, I was a little nervous watching that fresh face backline go up against some set pieces against a team like the Thorns. So if we're rolling with another real fresh look at the backline, I'm going to be just as nervous if there's going to be some conceding of set pieces against a team like North Carolina because they're a team that uh, really capitalize on, uh, capitalizes on those types of opportunities. So uh, we'll probably see some type of rotation come into play. Uh, maybe some of those players who, who played in that first game against Spirit might get some time against this Courage team. Uh, Claire, what are your thoughts uh, heading into this match against North Carolina? I mean, yeah, I would imagine I would imagine that, again, I, I have no idea. None of us know anything. But I would imagine that the plan is a little bit like a one one two one two situation with the the roster for with the formation not formation with the starting 11 for chicago um and i think that there's a reason why a lot of players did not play at all yesterday against portland i think that that like he the what rory did is he kept either subbing in um he kept either subbing in younger players or um players that needed to get uh build minutes for injuries so i think that um I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see a similar lineup to Washington just because of the constraints of playing three games in eight days. Uh, and I think that that's probably better because I don't think it would be great for Chicago's morale to get completely blown out in this game. But I also know that they, they understand what they're doing and they're trusting that process. And, and North Carolina, for whatever reason, never seems to have to rotate all that much and uh they'll be gunning for him so yeah i think we're gonna see a similar lineup to washington's game not necessarily because i think rory is trying to win but just because i think that he's not gonna make those kids play again you know five days later so i think that um yeah i i'll be really interested to kind of see what they do formationally i wouldn't be shocked honestly if they didn't do a similar thing to what they did against washington because i think that's how they'd like to play and so they're probably just going to see what that can absorb and what they can do with it and just kind of go from there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I I think going up against the Courage is always, you know, a game day that you kind of get up for. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm, I'm right in agreement with you that we're probably going to see some of those similar players that we saw against the Spirit. Uh, in terms of, in terms of like players to watch, players that we might want to see have an impact potentially for this game, even though we don't exactly know how they might line up, who do you want to see? Um, have like a, a couple cool moments for the Red Stars. So what what the Courage do to you is they they pin you they pin you outside. They try to pin you on the wings. They try to back you up into your own corners. And I so I guess you know I think whoever starts at outside back who is not Casey Short, um, if it's Bianca St. George's again, she's gonna have to yeah, she's gonna have a hell of a time. And I think that. Um, so, so that, that's what I would say. I think that, you know, Chicago spent a lot of this offseason developing their width, and North Carolina is a team that tries to push you outside. So I think that it's going to take it's going to take a very engaged game from their wide players in order to just have the team defense to try to hold North Carolina off. Um, so, yeah, so I would say Watt as well, uh, you know, just anybody who's really working on those wings. Um, we know who the midfield core is. Um, and I'll just be also be really interested to see where Julie Ertz plays. He likes to play Ertz in the midfield uh, against North Carolina, but also maybe this is the game to slot her back into center back. Yeah, I mean, last time the Red Stars went up against this team, we know what happened. It was uh, not great. 
a real train wreck uh, of a championship final and uh, the midfield got ran over and uh, a lot of people saw some time on face first on the pitch and uh, it wasn't a pretty sight. Um, so we'll see the players that line up against this team uh, this week and hopefully, you know, they come out to compete and uh, show that they don't want to be pushed around. I also am looking forward to seeing a player like Watt go up against a team like North Carolina Courage uh, as a Red Star. Um, you know, when she was with Houston last year, that was a team that actually gave North Carolina a real run for their money uh, during the season. There were some questionable uh, calls made, and a lot of people felt like uh, – Houston got robbed of uh, some points on that day. So it'll be interesting to sort of see her going up against a team in the Courage as a Red Star. And I'm also excited to potentially see her and Casey Shore also play together against a team like this because, you know, Watt has gone on record herself saying that she was really looking forward to playing games with Casey Short specifically, sort of being able to um, kind of have that anchor, have somebody to play with. And, uh, you know, Casey's such a tough player to play against. She, of course, was happy to be playing uh, with her as opposed to against her. So I'm very curious to see how uh, they connect with each other and how they operate on their side of the flank against uh, a team like the Courage. Yeah, I think the one other thing that just popped into my head is that we are at the point now where we're kind of have to be on yellow card watch. Um because so the the yellow card rule for this tournament is not dissimilar to the world cup which is that you get if you get two yellow cards you're suspended for the next match um chicago's next match uh, after north carolina is their final group stage game so i think probably again they're winning this tournament is not their only goal here but i'm sure they would like not to have someone missing their first knockout game due to yellow card accumulation so i think the only red star with a yellow card right now is rachel hill um but well, that will be a factor, I think, in in maybe even, not even necessarily just the lineups going forward, but subs as well. Um, so I think that that's also just an, it's something for people to keep an eye on. Um, anyone gets a yellow card. Anyone who gets a yellow card in this upcoming game is in danger of getting their second yellow against Utah and not being able to play in the first knockout game. Yeah, I think in terms of yellows, it is Hill, and I believe uh, Donnie got one. Uh, yeah, that's right, yep. Uh, against the thorns so that's that's something to keep an eye on because they're they're players that we're also including we're talking about that question you know that infamous question about the offense and how that's going to look uh, moving forward so those are things to consider uh but time will tell and uh we will be here to talk about it all when it all goes down uh claire in the meantime uh you know where can the people find you and your good work uh you know you've got a, a really good recap of this last game and uh i want you to promo that real quick yeah, so we've been doing a lot this week um, over on the Southside Trap Patreon. Um, we'll be doing more in the upcoming days. I think, you know, I think I would like to maybe just do a reflection on the week as a whole, perhaps. Um, because, again, we're not given a lot of time to kind of think with uh, with this game schedule. So it's nice to maybe have one day with, with no soccer and then sort of reflect on that. Um, and you can also find me uh, at the Equalizer. I'm going to be doing some Red Stars content uh, over there as well. Um, so basically... <laughs> Uh, it's not helpful to follow me if you're not interested in red stars content, but I do spread it around. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if you are like into following people on Twitter, I guess you can follow us on Twitter. Um, only if you're going to be nice though. 
Only if you're going to be nice. And also, like, sometimes I talk about Shira. Like, I don't. <laughs> we should do a Shira pod. <laughs> we should do a Shira. Patreon exclusive Shira pod. Yeah, I think the people would be into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can follow us on Twitter if you like. We usually put our handles in our social media stuff. But, you know, that's really how you can support us, guys. By supporting us, supporting, uh, you know, Southside Trap directly you know you can do that by you know following and subscribing to our patreon that helps us out a whole ton when we're trying to produce red stars content for you guys and if subscribing to a patreon at a certain tier just isn't possible for you right now we completely understand times are hard for everybody so i mean you can absolutely continue your support of the Southside trap podcast the podcast that helps you stay on side with the chicago red stars uh, by following us on all social media channels. You could do that on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. And you can find us on streaming services like Spotify and iTunes. So go ahead and find us, you know, give us a like, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. That stuff also helps us out tremendously when we're trying to produce this type of content for you all. So we will be back with you all next week. Stay safe, uh, you know, wash your hands, wash your face, continue to uh, support and show love to the Black Lives Matter movement. And, uh, you know, we'll be back with a recap for you all soon.